Bonjour tout le monde, uh, bienvenue au PFF College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Galina. And another fun episode this week, got to talk to College Football Hall of Famer and, uh, you know, host, analyst, whatever you want to call it, on College Game Day, David Pollock. And so something I didn't know about, about David before, um, you know, we've been texting actually for a few weeks trying to get him on the pod. He is a serious tape grinder. This guy will text me, I'm like acting cool now because David Paul texts me, but like he'll text me at like 2 a.m. Be like, yo, did you see Rut? Did you see uh, Rutgers, you know, offense? Like, what do you think about Rutgers offense? I'm like, dude, it is too late to be talking about Rutgers football. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's great. He is a true tape grinder and um, his, and, you know, it shows up in his work and, and it shows up in the conversation that we had because uh, you can't know this that much about college football unless you're around it. And he gets to talk to coaches and you watch, like, you, you put those together and you get a real solid college football mind. So um, we'll get to that interview in a second. All right, I'm joined now by a former Georgia Bulldog, three-time All-American, three-time SEC, uh, first-team SEC, two-time SEC Player of the Year, College Football Hall of Famer, and uh, analyst host of College Game Day. Uh, David, welcome to the PFF College Football Podcast. You nailed it, Seth. You, you nailed it all. So you're, you're good to go. Thanks for having me, brother. Uh, yeah, my resume is not as long as that. Um, but I, I'll tell the world right now that I did win uh, quarterback of the year in my flag football league this past season. So Boom! Did, you, did y'all win a championship or what? Uh, we got, we went, we were in the semifinals and then everything got locked down again. So, so you we're, quarterback of the, so you're a regular season savant and you suck in the playoffs is what you're saying. Uh look, I don't want to say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I don't want to I don't once I once I say it, it's the truth. You know what I mean? Once I believe it, that's a problem. So that's uh a shame, bro. That's a shame. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I was looking at your Wikipedia page, of course, and you are from you were born in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh which yes. I've been to an engage, an engagement party in New Brunswick, New Jersey, uh about like 20 years ago, but did you let down University of Rutgers by choosing to become a Georgia Bulldog and not, you could have changed the, the history of Rutgers football if you would have, if you would have joined Rutgers. <laughs> my, my dad growing up always told me, he was like, hey man, you're going to be a Scarlet Knight. I was like, dad, what the heck's a Scarlet Knight? Uh, he was like, it's Rutgers, man. It's, it's a team up north because my dad's obviously from up north too, but um, so it was always a, a funny joke that he would, he would say that growing up, but no, I didn't let them down there. Hey, listen, Shiano got it cooking not long after I left anyways, and was killing it. Now the big East was obviously a lot easier to dominate than the big 10. Um, but now, you know, after last week, Hey, why not bro? That Rutgers fever, baby, let's go. You, you bring in 30 transfers and more speed. Like, and I, I was texting you last night, watching the stupid game. I couldn't, I couldn't turn the Rutgers. Michigan State game off because I have problems and just watching the game and it was fun. It was fun to watch, man. I, I tell you what, you can tell when you believe in a coach really quickly by the way they compete and the way their effort is. And Shiano's Shiano's a really good coach and he had him flying around and creating seven turnovers. I don't think you're going to do that very often, but um, you know, more skill, more more organization. You could tell all the guys that you know they have a quarterback. I think that can make yeah. plays and they can build on. So I think uh, hey, Rutgers fans got to be excited. They they won their first. Big Ten game in, I think, over a thousand days, their first Big Ten conference game. That's pretty solid. Uh, when I looked up their, like, pass protection stuff, because when I watched, like, the quarterbacks last year at, at Rutgers or just watched their offense in general, 
I mean, like, it's not even fair to the, I mean, not saying they're good quarterbacks, but like, it's not even fair when you have to play behind that type of offensive line. And now obviously like Michigan state is not the Michigan state that went to the, you know, the playoff semifinals and, and stuff a few years ago, but this was one of their best pass blocking games as a whole unit in a couple of years. And if, and, and the quarterback is definitely better, you know, the transfer from, yeah. you know, no visual transfer from, from Nebraska, like definitely a better quarterback. You put him behind a line where you can actually play football and and that I think they were going to be Michigan State, no, but they looked uh, they looked like a competent offense. And honestly, that's Which, all we. By need. the way, that's a compliment. Yes, it is. I mean, that's that's a very big compliment. Pacheco too, running the football, he looked like he had some wheels and some speed. So I think I think they'll be they'll be competent throughout the season. We're not we're not putting them in the top twenty five. But I know Seth had it coming into the year. Um, you had Rutgers one and zero versus one and zero Indiana. I know you had that circled <laughs> and starred that. Indiana was going to beat Penn State, uh huh, and and Michigan State was going to lose to Rutgers to to have our undefeated undefeated week two showdown for them. Yeah, well, you know, and I of course I had been emailing the ESPN for weeks saying, hey, you know what game you really guys should be going to on Saturday is 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 this one uh, Indiana Rutgers? Yep. But so you know the funny thing with the Indiana Penn State game is Penn State like kind of dominated. And they killed him. They killed, they killed him, right? Like, well, this is not even, it's not even, uh, we can say it. Like, they killed him. I will say, like, Indiana dropped some passes, some wide-open receivers. But, like, <laughs> there's no reason losing this game. And maybe it takes a little bit of luster off, off the Ohio State-Penn State game. But I'm still excited for that game. I think Ohio State's offense versus Penn State's defense is a great, great college football matchup. Well, and again, I, I think what happens naturally with people, and, and I, I just did a podcast, and, and I was with Kevin Kevin Agande, and we do it every week. And, and naturally, Kevin goes, you know, let's talk about Indiana. How, how about that upset? How about the offense from Indiana? How, how about them playing really well? I'm like, they got their butts kicked. <laughs> like, Indiana got hit in the face with a frying yeah. pan. They had a hundred and something total yards of offense. Like, it was not a – it was a beatdown. It was absolutely smashed. And when I watched Penn State – I see a couple things. I see, I see defensive line that always comes off low, that always comes off hard, that makes things happen. I see two defensive ends, by the way, that are going to be problems. Shaka Tona late, late in that game almost single-handedly ended and, and probably you know should have. Um, and then I, Jason Owie, I, th Jason Owie, I think is his name, at the other defensive end, number 28, he's a freak. I mean, they actually tested him uh, this offseason, Kevin. He's six – or uh, Seth, he's 6'5". Um, 250 something. He ran a 438. So freaky Friday athlete that, yes, on the edges could give problems. I love the way they zone blitzed and, and brought pressure from everywhere and were, were aggressive. I, I think they need to do that when you're playing against Ohio State and take some chances. So I think I think their defense was up to snuff, but I don't know. The other side of the ball with Clifford is 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 frustrating yeah, to watch and well, one what of the you things about I, that? Did you watch? Did you watch them? Did you get to study them? I, I watched. A, I watched a little bit, but it's like I agree. It's like it's frustrating. They have this this skill position talent there for sure. Obviously, the tight end might be the best tight end in, in college football, or at least top top three, let's say. But like he's just got to get more consistent. I mean, and it's a it's a nice offense. I really like what you know Kirk Soraka did last season in Minnesota, creating a lot of easy throws, a lot of. Uh, a lot of easy throws, whether it was an RPO game or even just in a dropback game for Tanner Morgan at, Mich at, Min at Minnesota. So I like what they're, I like what he can do. And Clifford just got to play better. One of the things you talk about the zone blitz, they had the most, you know, I looked this up in the off season, but 
Brent Pry, the defensive coordinator for Penn State, is the the most zone blitz guy in in college football. I mean, the most um, it was something like the most blitzes of five plus people plus zone behind it that I looked up with our uh, with our PFF stats, and that's like and like you you talk about it like the D line they move they're like. And like you can't, because you can't play Ohio State like Nebraska tried to do, which is just like, yeah, oh, we're gonna play you guys, we're gonna act like we're we're even with you, and like that's it's a you can't, You're not. that's not possible. Like Justin, Fields yeah, and, and listen, also, what does that open yourself up to with with Justin Fields? You know, he's obviously gonna break tackles, yeah, and he's he's just so big and strong. Um, and they, and they got caught. I mean, they got caught near the goal line too. They gave up a touchdown on his own blitz because they were trying to show and, and they were at a gap and they gave up a, a run to the to the right side and gave up a touchdown against Indiana. So you can also give up big plays. Um, it can be feast or famine, but um, can the, can the Michigan, can the Penn state secondary hold up against Ohio state wide receivers? That'll be very interesting. Cause I, I'll tell you this last year, watching their tape in the back end, I was like, this secondary cannot cover. It's a bad deal. Um, this year it wasn't as bad week one. Can you hold up against obviously much better weapons, a, a much better quarterback? I, I'll be, I, I think they'll be curious to see how much they they want to blitz and and move out of gaps. Yeah, and I think like it, if you're gonna play like so, Nebraska like played off a lot on on Ohio State's receivers, and yeah, they have no problem. Like Ohio State fields is so accurate, they have no problem just throwing it underneath, throwing a an eight, an eight yard hitch, a twelve yard speed out, whatever it is, and they'll hit it all the time because field is so accurate. But then, so Penn State is going to be like, okay, we're going to blitz, we're going to play man, or, or at least we're going to zone blitz and maybe press a little bit more. But it's like, man, those receivers and that quarterback, that is – that's what you wish for. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the other quarterback that I just watched, I don't know if you, you had a chance to watch, but I kind of liked what I saw from Peyton Ramsey and the 1-0 yeah. uh, Northwestern Wildcats, so another, another surprise 1-0 team. You know, like they, they clearly, this is one of the worst offenses we've seen in a long time last year. But you put it, you put a, a, a an older quarterback behind there who knows how to get through his progressions. Um, the offense is not super easy either. Like then a lot of like times where he has to like go read stuff through and, and make the right decision. He, he looked he look good. I know Maryland is Maryland, but he, he looked good, right? Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. You said I know Maryland is Maryland, and I, and I, and I'm with that. But Northwestern is Northwestern too. So, exactly right. Exactly. And, and you're not gonna you're not gonna convince me that Northwestern has way more athletes on the field to outscore Maryland forty three to three. Like Northwestern, I don't know if you've noticed, Northwestern ain't that team. Okay, <laughs> they're they're smart. They're great in school. And and by the way, always physical, always tough. They're never gonna they're never gonna quit on their coach. Coach Fitzgerald's one of the best coaches in football. But th- to get quarterback play, it ain't been easy for them. It's no. been very difficult to have anybody. And listen, they've had big, strong-arm guys before in the past, but it just didn't click and it didn't get – and the thing I like, always liked about Ramsey when I watched him is he's also very mobile. He's not Mike Vick. He's not going to convince you he's Lamar Jackson, but he can they, definitely – They booted him out a bit, I noticed, a few times. A hundred percent. Yeah, okay. So if, if I can pound the rock – and I can pound it, and I can pound it, and now I can boot. You know, those linebackers have to come up. It makes easy it's throws. Hard, it, it moves the sticks because it wasn't, it wasn't uh, you know, bombs away and, 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 you know, killing you, you know, down the field. Because, by the way, they also don't have receivers that are going to do that bombs yeah. away and win one-on-one on the outside. So, I think having a quarterback – by the way, he's also super physical, super tough. You trust him. 
so I, it, it was it was fun to see Northwestern. We'll see more about them throughout the season, but you know they have something I think that they can build around, and it's a good starting piece because they're always going to have the toughness in those other elements. Uh, so we were talking last night about how I think we're both on the same page with this about Michigan. We're not quite sold yet. Um, whether it's the, look, the, the offense ran the ball extremely well, but I think this is more of a product of Minnesota, maybe not being the same defense last year. And, you know, Milton threw the ball pretty well, like, okay, I guess, but like they protected him play action RPOs, not a lot of, you know, when I looked at up the stats uh, this weekend, there were 88 quarterbacks who had more, you know, non RPO, non screen, non play action dropbacks. So like, like let's, let's see a, a situation where another team can, can stack the box, um, especially because they're going to play with so many tight ends. You can just load the box with people and make Milton a thrower. I don't, so are we, we're on the same page with that, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and let's look at circumstances of the football game too. You know, you get a sack score, sack yeah. fumble oh recovery God. score. You get a kickoff return inside the 10, which you make one play. Um, and, and you score like you, uh, you, they fake Minnesota faked a punt oh, no. and they gave them great field position. Minnesota didn't have a kicker regardless, by the way. Yeah, so yeah. there was a lot of factors that went into it, but I will say this. I liked what I saw from the skill around Joe Milton. I don't know if Joe Milton is that dude yet, but I like Haskins. I like Charbonnet, yeah. by the way, Joe Milton, just being able to run the football as big and strong as he is is going to open up lanes for everybody 100%. and make it make life easier on him. Is he the guy that's going to drop back right now and pass the football down the field and, and make a bunch of plays? Probably not. But I do think the guys around him, um, ha- there's more skill. And because of his wheels, this offense will be okay. Um, but I, I, I'm not ready to convince you yet to say that Joe Milton can go out there and win me a game. But I think because of what he brings to the table, he can make my offense more dynamic. And then as you go along in the season, it gets to the point maybe where you can, he can drop back and do that. And, you know, we know that, you know, from Harbaugh's career, when he has got a quarterback like this, the schemes are unlimited for him. I know he's got like, you know, kind of a new second year offensive coordinator in Gaddis, but you look at what he did with Kaepernick. You look at what he did, uh, what, what Greg Roman did with is doing with Lamar Jackson, you know, it's kind of the same scheme there. Like they can, they can have some funky stuff that they do. And on the other side of the ball, um, so you were saying to me last night that the Minnesota without the second receiver, without having that other guy is just killing them. Now the, the offensive line didn't play well. 97 uh, Hutchinson, 90, uh, 19 Quiddy Pay were like in the backfield. They're the good. Game. They're good. Yeah, they're good. They're really good. They're good. But so like, I, I, you know, I watched the game again and I was but like, not. I, I was just like, they want to throw RPOs, right? That's what they did last year. I know it's a new offense coordinator. We talked about it a bit yes. before, but. They want to throw RPOs. And what I noticed last year was they could go into, I looked up the stats and they can go into 11 personnel last year and spread it out. And then with Tyler Johnson and Bateman, you didn't know who they were reading. And he would do like some weird stuff where he'd be looking one way and then throw it back the other way. Right. So you didn't know which side the slant was coming from, which side, you know, where it was a three step slant, five step slant, whatever it was. Now it's like, well, wherever Rashad Bateman goes, that's Fine you know what I mean. That's where it is. That's where it's coming. So Michigan was able to to basically bracket him the whole game, and then they just had no other no other options. Well, and Bateman most of the time last year played outside, um, and really did a great job, you know, hitting home runs, deep balls. Yeah. And now he's playing mostly inside. Yeah. Um, because they need him to. So I, I think it's 
you know, there's going to have to be other weapons that step up. But, you know, he had nine catches and the next closest guy, I think, had four. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, like it was it was one. It was two and one. So it was, you know, they're going to have to find weapons and, and they're going to have to run the football, um, you know, really effectively if they're going to want to play action. And Michigan's not a team defensively. They're always tough. They're always physical. Um, they're going to make you earn it. So I, I think that, you know, it's it's not the end of the world for Minnesota. I still trust P.J. Fleck. I still trust. Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman and Ibrahim or Abram, however they say it. And I, I just, I trust those guys, but I think it's going to be a work in progress in finding who else can develop and, and make plays on that wide receiving core and who we can trust. And, and the scheme's different too, obviously, because you do lose your coordinator who goes to Penn State. Who you talked about. Yeah. And it's like, there's, there's good, like Rashad Bateman is excellent. Like it's not taking anything away from, like you said, nine, he had nine catches, like he played well. Um, but yeah. like they need to find something for the offense to play better rather than just rather than just one player. So uh, fr- on Friday night, last Friday night, we saw one of the most the cleanest um, quarterback performances we've seen with Graham Mertz uh, getting the start. Jack Cohen was injured. I had I was like in love with Jack Cohen this offseason because and I, I said this before, but the, the offense they run there is not easy. Like this is like a. Uh, and what I've heard from from what Paul Chris does, it's a very like week to week game plan thing. So you're coming in with new concepts every week, and you got to be got to be a little cerebral at the quarterback position. I thought Jack Cohn going into an uh, you know uh, another year there would have been great. That's not happening. Graham Mertz comes in, he looks unbelievable, and now we're not going to see him for three he did weeks. Okay, but like is yeah, it, like, and and no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, he was, I was just going to say, like, like I, I thought Wisconsin, okay, after this, like, look, Illinois, it was, it was a rough, rough go at it on defense. But, They're Illinois. Yeah. And, but I thought, okay, well, if they have this real quarterback, then the sky's the limit for this Wisconsin team. Now you could get a loss in there and then within the next three games and everything's up in the air. I think they could get a loss this week. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, because it's not it, – <laughs> you're out, Cone. You're out, Mertz. You're out your back. Your other backup. You're, yeah. you're like Georgia. You're on your fourth quarterback yeah. already. And his name's Danny Vandenboom. By the way, is is the guy who's playing quarterback. And just if I can give you some details on Vandenboom that you'll like, one, you'll love this. Twenty-eight zero as a starter in high school. Okay. Never lost a game. Won two state championships, which is pretty cool. Um, so at least he's been in big games, big atmospheres. You know, it, it means something. Um, the other thing I'll say is I, he had a quote about himself and it was giving a scouting report. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I've ever heard this before. He said, one of my weaknesses are my feet and then maybe my arm strength. Like, <laughs> that, that's not me saying that, by the way, about Vandenboom. That was himself saying it about himself. Um, and, and another thing, too, if you want to look at this Wisconsin offense, there's no Jonathan Taylor but there's also no Quentin Cephas. That, so I, yeah. I, I think there's, there's way less skill around to, are they going to hit each other? A hundred, are they going to hit you in the mouth? A hundred percent. Are they going to be physical? Yes. But I just, it's going to be very interesting to watch. I don't think they're as good um, at the running back spot at the wide receiver spot. So, you know, you're going to ask, you know, now Vandenboom to do a lot, which you felt better about merch doing it. I don't, I don't know how good you feel about a guy. By the way, he ain't been getting reps, man. This dude ain't been getting reps. He's been buried on the depth chart. He's been there for three years, never played a snap. Three or four years, never played a snap. Like, I played three snaps, I think. I mean, it's just, it's a tough situation now for Wisconsin to be in. 
would you say that who's who's the better quarterback, uh, me or Danny Vandenboom? Vandenboom, for okay, sure. It's still him. Okay, it's definitely Vandenboom. I want to. I, 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 I have to test my luck there. You can't even win the, uh, the semifinal of a flag football game. He at least won two state titles, Seth. Come on. Yeah, okay, all right. You're, you're, you're right there. Uh, okay, you talk about, like, physicality and stuff and punching people in the mouth. We talked about it with uh, just now with Wisconsin. Uh, I want to go to, in the, to the SEC for a bit. There's, like, one good defense in the SEC that we know for sure. <laughs> That's it. And yep. it's Georgia. And I don't think – I. so I'm, I'm like – so I'm, I'm a quarterback guy, right? I coach quarterbacks for 10 years. Um, coach defense for one year, but but really I'm a quarterback guy. Didn't so like I'm that. Like, we don't we don't we don't like defense. Forget that crap. Yeah, yeah exactly. So like, and, and obviously I'm a flag football guy. So like, you know, I just want to throw it around the yard. I want to see everyone throw it around the yard. I want, I, you know, get to take away the big hits and stuff like that. But then I watch Georgia, and I'm like, I'm just I get so excited to watch a team be so physical, and I and I wanted to get your opinion on this. So like, what I noticed was how physical they were against Alabama a couple of weeks ago, the defensive ends when there was a trap coming to them, a kickout block. Like, they dude, just... it's a hammer. It's a lower the shoulder and hammer. There's and so... a lot of people across the country that, that spill. Oh yeah. Kinda, eh. Oh yeah. I mean, Oja Larry, those bo- them boys are just like, Oh, and they take a, a gap that usually is, is, you know, a foot wide, two foot wide, two yards wide. And they say, nah, bro, that thing ain't coming through here. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. They're just like th- that particular thing. And that's how they shut down like Alabama's counter game was like that. Like you said, that gap would, if you're going to like, you know, what's called like boxing, right? If you're going to box the puller, you're the, the offense is expecting, okay, that's great. We're going to run it right inside there. Cause we have a lane now. And they're, like you said, they're shutting down that, that gap by just being so physical and it just made me so excited but what so like you're you obviously played defensive end um for for many years obviously uh i have two questions about that so one is is like what are what are the reads like like so when when you don't feel someone block you right away the the tackle is going the opposite way now there's two things that really can happen either you're getting optioned or like we're talking about that guy, that big, that big dude from the other side of the field is coming to crack you right on, on the kickout block on the trap. Like how does the reads go, go into it for a defensive end in terms of knowing the difference and being able to see it quickly and, and make the correct call. Well, the first thing is as soon as the tackle blocks down, the first thing I have to do is stay square. I can't run up field. A lot of people run up field and the ball goes right underneath them and it drives you nuts as a coach yeah. as a player. It just makes no sense. Um, so as soon as that tackle blocks down, I'm looking down the line of scrimmage to see if there's somebody coming to pull and to kick me out. And with them, obviously, they ain't small human beings. So you can <laughs> yeah. see them. Um, you shut it down. But you, there is no responsibility for you to chase. You don't have chasing. You're, 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 your job is to stay home. So when you see somebody coming to you, if you are the spill defender, you go spill that puppy and you inside shoulder and you rip it inside. If you're the force defender, you take it from the outside in and try to corral it, but your backer needs to know what that is. So I think it's just, it's eye discipline, but, but then it's the, it's the willingness like Ojalary, who's 13, who will do that for Georgia. He's, he's 225, yeah. 230 going against 330, you know, and the willingness to throw your shoulder in there and be like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not scared and I'm physical. And, um, it's, it's just a big deal. So you can tell Georgia's got some, a chip, they got some nastiness and, and listen, they're a great defense. That being said, Bama put up 40. 
Like it just yeah. it just shows you that you can be a great defense nowadays if you can't, can't score forty, you don't win championships. You just have to be able to have the ability to create explosive plays because and listen, Waddle's gone now. But when you when you, when you can stack receivers together and not let them get jammed, and when you have rules that allow Blyman to block yeah. down the field seventy five yards. <laughs> Um, I'm not, I'm not surprised you brought up all the RPOs uh, that are going on in college football right now. I mean, all the cheating. And, and by the way, <laughs> defense is about juice. Defense is about energy and effort. You've taken the crowd out of the game now. Like, the energy I'm watching in college football, it's as lazy as I've ever yeah, seen bad. football. Like, defensive effort is just way down the toilet, and it pisses me off to watch it. Um, so – but yeah, it's fun. It's, so it is fun. Like even even a nerd like you that plays offense that played the wrong side <laughs> of the football that you can see that it's it's fun and it's entertaining to watch defense. I the, my my one year coaching defense at the university level, I was like, oh okay, yeah. I'm I'm I like I'm, I kind of to switch over a bit. Okay, the other thing I want to ask you about about like playing defensive end and stuff. So when when you were when you were coming out, like when you played in the in the two thousands, early two thousands. It was, if I'm not mistaken, you guys played like a one gap type of four, four down defense. And yeah, four, three, yeah. yeah. So now you're seeing all we're, we're kind of switching back into like a three, four type of world where you have this like tight front where you're getting three defensive players within both tackles. So like packed inside. And a lot of teams are really running with one edge guy. So I, I guess what I'm curious about is like, where would you? Where do you think you would have played? You still would have been that one edge guy, or do you think you would have been kicked inside? Uh, you know, playing inside the tackle. No, I'd have been an outside backer. You know, outside backer, pass rusher. Um, you know, because that was my was my gift, was my first step in getting off the ball fast and being able to get after the quarterback. So, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely shifted. You got you got to be able to do multiple things. There's so much now with the with the RPO game too, that you, that will help if you don't have as many guys up yeah. front and you have more guys in the back that you can hide. And um, you've seen way more, you know, three safety looks in the past couple of years than you have. Um, I remember going to a game a couple of years ago at Iowa state. And I remember sitting there talking to the DC and I was like, why do you do this? Like I, nobody in college football. They were the first. Does this. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, we don't have those guys here. You know, we have to, we have to deceive and come from different levels and not let you know where they're coming. And what we found is we got a lot of tough guys that can run that they aren't four four or they aren't four four, but they're they're four five. And it's easier for us to find those guys than guys in the trenches. And so you saw that, and then you saw Clemson steal it a lot a year ago with Isaiah Simmons and do some of that stuff. And now you've seen it run rampant more throughout college football, but more diversity, the ability to do more things. Players don't have to be as heavy as they used to be back when I played, used to have a nose and he was a fatty bro. Like he was hey, <laughs> yeah. you eat that, you eat that guy and stay in your gap. And now if you can't uh, rush the passer and if you can't do multiple things, it's hard for you to stay on the field. And, and the, the nose in this like new 34 defense that we're seeing it's okay. Yeah. He's still like a two gap, but it's like a, it's I'm going to be on the center, but I'm going to at the snap, I'm picking, I'm picking a gap. It's not like I'm, I'm yeah. here. And I'm and I'm that I then I gotta make a play. It's really it's a one gap, two gap type of type of thing that so you're right, like you don't have this these 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 big monsters inside. Like they're they're quicker players. And honestly, like the way I see it is you clog the middle, you force everything to go this way, and then you get you get those faster players who now you have more speed on the field. Like you said, maybe they're not four four guys in the secondary, but at least they're 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 four five sorry, not four four guys, but at least they're four or five guys. And they can go horizontally. And like, that's just, 
it's weird how that the, the game has changed like so much. I mean, well, always and why? Yeah, but why? It's 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 more tempo. Yeah. You know, it's it's offenses. By the way, back in the day too, we used to have a fullback yeah. that was that was two forty five. By the way, and when you went when you went spider two wide banana, you threw it to him in the flats and you got eight. <laughs> okay, now you got six six two hundred and sixty pounds tight ends that are running four four. That by the way, they stretch the seam like crazy. They, they can catch the ball in the flats and turn it into 15, 20, 30 yards. It's just, man, the game with, with tempo and personnel groupings now, and especially so much 11, so much 12 and tight ends, they can move and you're changing gaps all the time with those guys. Cause they can start on one side and they can come to the other side and every yeah. gap slides and you got to move. And then you got pop passes and you got all this crap off of it that the RPOs changed the game. Yeah. And Nick Saban saw it years ago. And he was like, I'm done, dude. Tap out. Like, I'm not going to do this crap anymore and beat my head up against the wall. Like I have to outscore people. I have to be willing to put in tempo myself. I have to be willing to throw the football more and get off of my defense wins games. Defense wins games. Like I, we've got to control the clock. we got to control this. Go score. Go, yeah. You it. score and you win. Like make explosive plays, you win. So I think that's been, um, you know, the shift and the direct, gradual shift in, in, throughout college football. Uh, the Alabama thing is honestly like I, I could be wrong about this, but like when they changed, that changed the whole the whole world changed in the college football landscape. Changed when Alabama said we're not going to keep doing this anymore, and we can go because it's like well we're always going to get great receivers, we're always going to get all these skill position players. Why don't we actually use them? And then when you see what they're doing with them now, obviously you know you talked about Jalen Waddle being injured after the season. That that's tough because he he's he's so fun to watch, but. Bama fans are pissed at me because they, they think that it's just next guy up. They think that they're just going to plug eight in there, uh, plug 18 not, in there. Not, not that they're not good players, those guys, but. Uh, there's only one Waddle, bro. Uh, he is And by the special. way, there's only one Waddle in all of college football. So you dang sure ain't got another one on your roster, even though you did have rugs last year. Anyway, <laughs> besides, besides the point. Um, but no, I, I just, you know, I, I don't think Bama can win a championship because I don't think they can go now take for tack with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and score points. And the Bama's defense ain't setting the world on fire either. Well, let's be honest. It, right? They're yeah. they're very average. They're not they're not a great defense. I, I see a situation where let's say Georgia gets back to gets to Atlanta to play Alabama in the SEC championship game. That could be a completely different game because you look at how Alabama won that game. It was vertical outside shots. And now obviously yeah you still have Metro you still have uh you still have Devonta Smith not but without same. It's not the same when you have that insane talent uh, of Jalen Waddle on the outside because Georgia did everything else right. They took away the run game. They took away all those like over routes that they love to run. And they were left with those deep outside vertical shots. And Alabama can make those plays with that full group of receivers. I, there's, a, there's a very good possibility, you know, assuming Georgia gets through Florida and, and, the, and the East, like that, that Georgia goes and, and beats Alabama in Atlanta. I'm with you on that too. And, and another reason I think that's important is Jordan, you got to realize Stetson Bennett's had a couple weeks as the starter to practice. George Pickens is a sophomore. Uh, Burton, by the way, is a freshman wide receiver who's going to be really good. Who's, he's going to be special number seven. He's good. By the way, freshman. McKitty, new guy. Washington, new guy. Three offensive linemen, new guys. Yeah. Munkin, new guy. Like a lot of things right now, they can't go in there and go, we're going to unload the kitchen sink. They don't have the kitchen sink, bro. Right now you just got the microwave in the oven. We ain't got the burners <laughs> yet, all right? We ain't got the hibachi grill. And so we, 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 hadn't, we hadn't gotten to that point yet in our 
in our economic freedom that we could buy that stuff. So I think they'll get to that point um, and then they'll be able to expand it more. And then you take off Waddle, obviously. That's, God, it's just a huge blow. And especially yeah. Georgia, who plays so much man. Um, that, well, you know, it, just, but why, but, but why did, why did Waddle score on the 90 yard touchdown run or catch? By the way, it's 27, 24, Alabama or Georgia. It's 27, 24, yeah. three minutes left in the third quarter. Jalen Waddle is a little miscommunication off the snap yeah. between uh, Georgia, between Stevenson and Campbell. And, and it was one step, by the way, wrong for Campbell. Campbell stepped inside. Waddle goes 90. Yeah. By the way, I'm not saying Mitchie's not fast. I'm not saying those other guys aren't fast. One step, a lot of times, doesn't hurt me. One step with that cat, it's That's ridiculous. So I, I, it's just it's, it's a game-changing element to to Alabama's offense that people will see at some point, but it won't be anytime soon. It, it, the only time you're going to get it is probably the SC championship game. Um, okay, let's say in the SEC. I think there's like one the one big game, kind of big game in the SEC is really like an elimination game. Uh, these teams might have might already be eliminated from any type of major bowl game or anything like that. But LSU uh, plays Auburn this week, and they, uh, yes, they're both eliminated. By the way, yeah, okay. both <laughs> I, I was I was holding on to some hope for LSU, but I don't think that's happening anymore. But like, I guess nope. the question is like, Bonex is just not like, yeah, you know, we, he played well against one of the worst defenses in the country last week, but. Is, is he the guy it, even even whether it's this year or even next year for for Auburn to, to like lead them anywhere significant he played better I know everybody plays good against Ole Miss yeah. um in their defense but um first of all Tank's big Tank Bigsby's the guy oh. I mean if you oh. watch Ford running back that dude's a true freshman he's a full-grown man already like he's so good at breaking tackles and making people miss um and let's be honest, it ain't like LSU's figured out their defense. There's still plenty of lapses and plenty of plays. Oh, now, they it was played bad good. last week against they played it, they played good in the red. No, it was better last week. It, it was Carolina, better. It was definitely better. It was it was better. And and they got Ojalary who had three sacks. They had some young guys make plays and and which is good. I mean, Rick's had a pick six, who's a freshman. Ojalary had a so uh, had three sacks, which is which is gonna be which is good. So I think but their eye discipline is still bad. And <sighs> There's st- and here's the thing. I, I think I think Auburn can take advantage of some of that. Seth Williams is still a monster. Tank yeah. Bigsby's a monster. Um, so I, I expect this to be a really good competitive football game. But I, I was more impressed with TJ Finley. I mean, good God, that dude just came off the street. By the way, he's coming big. coming off the bus, six six, two forty five. Like, good God, huge. Had a big arm. Only made really one mistake. Um, threw with conviction. Uh, can move outside the pocket, but I guess Marshall, Marshall pretty, I think Marshall liked the day with him. I mean, yeah. he had, a, he had a blast with him. Um, but I, I think this, this offense will, it'll be interesting to watch without miles Brennan, but I think they're in good hands with PJ Finley too. So I think this will be a comp- very competitive, game, one of the most competitive games of the day. I think, you know, with LSU, it's crazy. So like, not, it's not anything to take away from Joe Burrow, who I think was, I mean, look at it. He's my favorite quarterback that's ever, that's ever lived at this point. But like, what's your butt? But, but, you know, it's like, man, what? Why didn't LSU just do this type of offense for the past ten years? Like, why didn't they should have just been like this? I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking as like a frustrated LSU fan. But it's like, you look at how how much different the game is, and we talked about it with Alabama going to it. You know, you know, after the old Miss games where they lost uh, a few years ago. But it's like, man, the, the, you're putting this at, these athletes 
in space the whole game. And, and well, by the way, you always saw Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. You saw those guys go on and become Freaky Friday athletes yeah. in the NFL. And you're like, why did they suck at receiving yeah, for me? Exactly. Like, what? It's because your offensive system sucked. But no, I mean, I, I still don't trust LSU. I'm not jumping on the bandwagon yeah, yet. But I, 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 but I mean, do you, do you trust Auburn? So either, neither one of the Tigers do I really trust. <laughs> no. All right, uh, let me let me get you out of here with this. You talked about how back in the day you had the first step. But what was your what was your move? What was your best move when you got to the tackle or guard, whatever? The dip rip, uh, club, like what was your move? I think I, I was definitely a, a dip and rip guy because of my first step. Um, later on, as I, old, I got older, I developed my spin more. Um, but I also did a really good job of stab, stab and catch. I would stab with my left hand and catch with my outside hand on my right hand. And I always had good hips. Like if yeah, I watch pass rushers nowadays, it drives me batshiznit crazy Sometimes, because man. they're squared up to the they're squared up this direction. I'm like, I'm yeah. not going this direction. I'm going to the quarterback <laughs> this direction. Like I got to be able to bend the turn. And I had, a, I did a really good job of flipping my hips while using my hands. Um, so, you know, that was, I was definitely speed. And then once you get speed, you get speed to power, speed to spin. And, um, you know, just be, I love being a fat guy in the trenches, baby. It was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> one, one of the, so I watched like Panay Sewell this off season just to get, get a feel of, yeah, oh. So clearly, clearly a top five pick, uh, clearly going to be the number one uh, tackle off the board, uh, whether he plays or not uh, this year or not. But one of the things I noticed is like, man, those edge rushers in the Pac-12, they just, it's like, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to run out the tackle. Here's the best tackle that's, that's in the league. And I'm going to run at you and I'm going to go like this. And then that's, that's the play. And it's like crazy. I'm going to run right down it. the middle of you. Like, like what let's run right doing? down the middle of you. Key to pass rush, ladies and gentlemen, if anybody cares out there. You work half of a man. Yeah, you don't go down the middle of the person. Work half of a man. Now, it's always like this. Kyron Thibodeau, though, that, that freshman they got, <sighs> he don't do that. He's going to be freaky Friday, yeah. next level. He'll leave the Pac-12 in sacks. Well, I mean, he can leave the Pac-12 because he's only going to play <laughs> seven games. But he'll, uh, he'll leave the league in sacks for the next two years at least. Hey, now, now, see, now I have another question about pass rushing. But what, So one of the things that, that again, in this one year that I coached defense – we would talk about it a lot is having a plan when you go out there. And I think so something that I, that I, I think makes sense to me at least is you have this plan and you're saying, okay, I like this move. This is my move, or this is the move I like against this, this tackle or whatever. But then there's, there's that, the, the, the good ones are able to, yes, if, if plan A doesn't work, I can move into plan B and still get a yeah. pass rush. So, like, what, what was that the mentality of having a plan, like, for you um, uh, at, playing that position? First of all, I'm going to win with speed. I'm mm -hmm. going to win getting off the rock. That, I'm going to beat plan you. A. You got to win with speed. So, yeah. if that shoulder starts to come to, and then you start now, so, okay, I'm, I'm looking at the shoulder. Sorry, I'm moving around all the place. But <laughs> I'm looking at the shoulder, the outside shoulder of the tackle, and that shoulder starts to come to me. If it doesn't come to me fast, I'm going to get the edge and I'm going to rip it really quickly. If that shoulder comes to me really fast, now it's a counter. Yeah. Everybody needs a great move and a counter off of that move. Whatever your move is, you need to have both. You can't just have one great pass rush move and expect to be great because they're going to play that. So if I'm phenomenal at doing this, I got to be ready for, okay, now if I'm going to beat you with speed, now it's speed to power. What does that mean? Now I'm going to my spot and getting that tackle to kick back, kick back, kick back. And now I go full force right down the middle of them and power them all the way back to the tackle while using my hand. So 
I think the great ones have a great move and a great counter off of that. And then the great ones too have a great motor. If you want to go get the quarterback, like it's not always the first move, the second move. Sometimes the quarterback holds the ball and you just keep fighting and fighting and fighting and you get back there. And that's, you know, when you're really next level and you're going to be one of the best. Okay. Now I'm going down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but something that I've noticed, (laughs) something that I've noticed in, in terms of like defensive linemen, especially defensive interior guys. And I believe this is the kind of like Aaron Donaldification of, of America's youth. But like these guys want to be like, they all want to be Aaron Donald because he's the role model, right? For, for the interior players, for three techs, he's the role model. He is the best. He might be the best of all time, whatever. But so now I'm noticing these guys in college and they're like so light on their feet. They have moves. They don't, they're not just bull rushing interior guys. They have moves. They have this, like these like dance moves. It's crazy. Have you, have you been noticing the same thing that I have? Yeah. And, and also leaner. You don't have to be fat now to play defensive tackle. Um, and I've seen you, I think that transition has been awesome, but yeah, Aaron Donald, you can still win inside with your first step. Like, for years, it was always, you know, I got to go right down the middle of people and yeah. I got to be able to bull rush and collapse the pocket. Now you're like, wait a minute, I can bend and make that turn really quickly too and get to the quarterback. So and the guards, definitely, it's not like these guards are are the same athletes that you have at tackle. No, not at all. So I, I think it's definitely a, something to watch and continue to watch. But if you're watching Aaron Donald, it's a good start. Yeah, um, now, I'm not so. saying you're going to get his superhuman quickness and superhuman strength, but you know, Aaron Donald does a great job of using his daggum hands and not going down the middle of people. He's yes. not going to go down the middle of you. He's not stupid. Like he's not going to let you engulf him and lay your, lay your body on his, like, he's just not going to allow that to happen. So I think it's, uh, if people are watching and learning, that's a good thing to watch and learn. All right. All right. That's, okay. That's it. I have no more questions. Uh, this was a great, great conversation, David, uh, have to have you back on, uh, at some point. And, uh, you guys, so you can find David, of course, uh, college game day, Saturday mornings and, uh, oh, the sure. college, the college football podcast, um, on ESPN with, uh, Kurt Herbstreit and, and Kevin Nagani. And you, um, look, it's David Paul. You guys can find him on ESPN, uh, whenever you click on ESPN. Thanks, David. Thanks, Seth. All first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least $20 into their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free, free PFF Edge annual subscription. So that's a $40 value for just $20. And you'll get that opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy football and prop games at one of the fastest-growing fantasy sports sites in the USA in monkey knife fight go to monkey knife fight and deposit your twenty dollars with promo code pff today to receive your free pff edge annual subscription pff and sunday night football's chris collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field 49ers all pro cornerback richard sherman the chris collinsworth podcast featuring richard sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast they will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every week And sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. 
Moosefit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment that you have at your disposal. Purchase your Moosefit membership and a Moosefit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire. Based on the information provided in the questionnaire, your Moosefit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create your custom program for you. No two programs are the same. Moosefit is well-equipped to help provide you with daily workouts that will help you reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, use PF, use code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month. For more information, check them out on Instagram at moosefit or on their website, www.moosefit.com. I'm joined now, of course, by the big homie, Anthony Tresh, to go over uh, this week's top 25 uh, matchups. Not a crazy slate of games, but I think um, we're going to find some stuff out about some teams. Uh, the Cincinnati, Penn State, uh, we're going to get to know who they are. Michigan even maybe, uh, Kansas State. So there are some like interesting matchups for the, for the diehards out there. Um, but let's get into it right away. Boston College uh, goes to Memorial Stadium and Clemson. Clemson gets... Uh, uh, Giving them thirty-one points is that how the is that how the line works? I'm trying to like trying to be a betting man now. Do you get when you're negative thirty-one? That means you're giving points. Am I right with that? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. You got to win by thirty-one to cover. Right. And okay. they they honestly might in this one because they're going to be gunning. They're going to be out for blood after last week. I think so. So um, I was talking to uh, Richard Johnson, who was on this podcast twice already and uh, is on Thinking Out Loud on the uh, SEC Network. And he was talking about how, you know, so Jeff Hathley comes over from Ohio State and they, Ohio State last year ran one of the most basic offenses, uh, sorry, defenses uh, that, that you can really find. I mean, there was a 4 2 5. They played with one high safety. They didn't rotate. They didn't like show too high and then disguise. They just played one high safety. They played cover one. They played cover three. That was it. Like that was it. And Boston College is doing the same thing. And and Rich's point was uh, Clemson does not have like the absolute studs on the outside like they're, that they used to. So if they're going to play man-to-man and Boston College is going to play man-to-man, can they? Sh- can, is there is there any chance that they that they suppress them a little bit, not shut them down, but at least suppress them a little bit? I don't I don't think so. I think Clemson's wide receiver unit is definitely the weakest part of this team, but I think they're going to they're going to get some stuff underneath cooking with Amari Rogers and Travis Etienne in there too. Um, I'm, I'm hopefully they get back Joseph Ngata here pretty soon. I know he's been banked up to start the year. He's I mean he's been on and off the field, but Davo Sweeney himself said he's not been 100. percent but he's getting back to full strength, which I think will help out, especially the drop issues downfield. I mean, even Amari Rogers, who's been the best wide receiver on the team, he's had his fair share. He's been a big part of the drop problem downfield, not catching a whole lot of catchable balls. Um, and then Trevor Lawrence, he's kind of been, I don't, I don't want to say he's been bad the last few games. <laughs> he's played great against Georgia Tech, but two of the last three games, he, he's had some turnover worthy plays sprinkled in there that, you know, that kind of reminded us of that early start of last season, but still, He's produced an elite grade through his first six games of the year. Uh, the last two years through his first six games, he didn't even reach uh, 78, if I recall correctly. And now he's at 91, somewhere around that area. So he's still playing way off to a way better start than he's ever had before. And I think we're going to continue to see it. I think they're going to find a way to win on this one by a lot. I have no, I have so many thoughts on Trevor Lawrence and I'm so afraid to say them because they're not exactly oh what, what people uh, – 
people think. I just think there's more issues with Trevor Lawrence in terms of his production than than meets the eye. Now, traits wise, uh, you know, physical talent, A plus, A plus, A plus. So, uh, and, and that'll probably win out at the next level anyway. So let, uh, let's get on to the next one. Georgia goes to uh, Kroger Field in Lexington, Kentucky, to take on the Kentucky Wildcats. Georgia's laying 14 and a half on the road. Kentucky, you know, I thought Kentucky was going to like had a chance to like be something this season because I really like what they were doing on defense. They control the line of scrimmage on offense. They just can't get anything going in the passing game. And, uh, you know, so, you know, lost to Missouri last week, only scored 10 points. I don't see it against Georgia. Do you? Not at all. And even if Terry Wilson's in or not, I know he has, has been practicing lately. So as we're recording this, it's unknown whether what, what his status is for Saturday, but he's notoriously bad under pressure, like pressure, you know, data. That's kind of this, one of those things that's volatile, but if you see a quarterback that's consistently bad at it, that means he is very, very bad under pressure. And that, that is a problem. And he's bad under pressure. And this Georgia pass rush is going to be a huge problem for him, even though they have Darian Kennard and Landon Young, two of the best tackles in the sec. I, I think Kirby Smart's going to get to Terry Wilson. If he's playing and it's going to get ugly real quick. If he's not playing, it's still probably going to be ugly real quick. It, it's definitely going to be a, uh, you know, we we're, were talking about uh, the other day, offense wins championships, but, you know, they, that's kind of, if you don't have an elite offense, then defense can can win you the get ball games. But when you go up against an Alabama or a Clemson, you know, it's offense, you know, go toe-to-toe there. But I think it's Georgia defense that's going to, yeah. you know, they're going to put the clamps on and it's, that's going to help them win. Okay, uh, the biggest uh, group of five game this week, Memphis going to uh, to your hometown, Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, Cincinnati's getting, uh, sorry, Memphis is getting seven points in Cincinnati. Uh, 4-0 Cincinnati, 3-1 Memphis. Uh, we thought like, well, okay, sorry, not we. I thought that uh, SMU, you know, even with, you know, the injury to Reggie Roberson, was just going to score plenty on Cincinnati. And that is absolutely not what happened. Cincinnati came out and absolutely dominated SMU. Are they going to dominate Memphis this week? I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued by this one. I, I, I would not be surprised if they did, but I would not be surprised if they lost this one either. You know, it's, it's going to be – I kind of see – Part of me is leaning towards with Cincinnati's defense again. I like Brady White and I like this Memphis offense, but I think the Cincinnati defense is a little bit better and that offense isn't that Alabama or Clemson that we were talking about earlier. So I, I, I think it's going to be Cincinnati's defense that's going to help get them the win. But, you know, if, if they really want to put their name in the playoff conversation, they're going to have to win pr- pretty handily in this one. And they're going to have to do the same against UCF. They did it against SMU. They're going to have to continue that trend to really get you know, solidify themselves as a legit team that can claim that fourth spot. Okay, big rivalry game, Michigan State at Michigan. Uh, Michigan's getting, uh, sorry, Michigan State's getting 24 and a half points in the big house. Michigan State look awful. Uh, you know, nothing else to say about that. They're just not a good team anymore. Uh, they weren't a good team last year. And like Brian Lewerke was actually like an, like an average at least college quarterback. Now you got Rocky Lombardi who does not look like an average college football quarterback. They go to Michigan where dominated Minnesota, especially through the ground or on the ground. Joe Minton was, you know, we talked about this a little bit with David Pollock uh, just before, but you know, they protected Milton. They didn't do a lot with him. And when you can run the ball like that, uh, there's no problems. So we're not really sold on Michigan, but with that said, I mean, 
they're gonna they're gonna win, right? Yeah, they're gonna win by a lot in this one. And I, I I've been asked a few times, just like, what what's your take with Joe Milton? Is he gonna be the next star? And you said it's best. They protect him. There's a lot of scheme throws yeah. in there. We didn't really get him get to see any true dropback situations. But I mean, he did good in that. He, he did good. Well, yeah. but I I think it was that blowout win was more about how bad Minnesota's offense was because Tanner Morgan was atrocious that game. Yeah. I mean, it was bad all the way around. Rashad Bateman was the only good thing about Minnesota that day. And so I, I think Michigan is going to win in this one because Michigan state is really, really bad. Um, I like Drew Beasley. That's one positive for any Sparty fans out there. The edge rusher, I think he's going to be a big breakout guy this year, but at the end of the day, I, I think Michigan's going to win by probably around that that point total. It's, it's probably going to be a slaughter. Kansas State uh, going to West Virginia, our favorite football team, the West Virginia Mountaineers, uh, quarterback by Jared Dagey. Uh, this is such a huge game in the in like the history of Kansas State uh, to stay to to uh, stay ahead in the Big 12, uh, where they're already four and zero. They go to uh, West Virginia, like I said. Um, is this finally going to be the day that Darren Dagey, Darren Dagey, Jared Dagey, um, and the rest of his team shows up and they can actually put points on the board because, you know, with our grading system and, and, you know, we've watched Jared Dagey, he can play. He absolutely can play. He's been one of the better quarterbacks in the big 12, maybe the second best quarterback in the big 12. No one maybe. else can play around him. <laughs> okay, so he is. There you go. Like we love this guy. No one else could play around him. Uh, so is this the game where uh, they finally show out, or Kansas State just comes in and and kind of proves that they are you know this number sixteen ranking ranked team? Um, I, I think it's going to be. I, I am counting on the West Virginia supporting cast to follow through on this. Here we one. go. I, I have to roll with the better quarterback in Jared Deggie. I know Kansas State has a very quarterback friendly offense, but yeah. Skyler Thompson not playing. It's Will Howard and Jarrett Daggy. When he is in rhythm, he's a top 10 quarterback in college football. His, his grade says that 91.9 grade when he's in rhythm. And that's eight grading points higher than any other current big 12 starting quarterback. So I, I have to pick with the pick the better quarterback here, but I, I do that with a lot of caution just because <laughs> I, I've seen this West Virginia team out, outside of Jarrett Daggy really let down, but I, I have to pick the better quarterback always. Okay, Coastal Carolina. This, honestly, Coastal Carolina might be uh, my favorite G5 team right now. They go uh, to Atlanta to play Georgia State. Uh, Coastal Carolina undefeated. And, um, like, they're not going to um, crash the, uh, you know, playoff party. But I'm excited to see them to see them kind of go play. And uh, what we do know at the time of recording, we're still not sure if – uh, quarterback Grayson McCall will play. Um, he might. Uh, we're not sure. Uh, that would go along with. They didn't win last week without him, but he has been. Uh, it's funny because you just don't get. I, I, I'm sure I talked about this before, but you just don't get a lot of accurate quarterbacks in a triple option type of offense because if they were if they're this accurate, you usually just don't play in this. You just don't. They don't play in triple option offenses. Uh, this is what happens. This is what's happening with Coastal Carolina and, and Grace McCauley. He's been that good. Hopefully he plays this week. Uh, you see them continuing this, this streak here? Um, well, I mean, they're only favored by two and a half points to Georgia State. So I think that says a lot about 
what everyone else thinks of Coastal Carolina, and I'm going to have to side with the the uh, the other experts in this one. I I'm not as high on Coastal Carolina as you. Um, I mean, they're optimistic the call will play, but yeah. I mean, the schedule of defenses they've had to face, in my opinion, aren't that great. They beat Louisiana, but I, I yeah. think Louisiana was overhyped from the get go, and then you have Kansas, Campbell, Arkansas State who are all in Georgia Southern, all at the bottom of the barrel in the FBS as far as defense goes. They just really haven't played. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win this one. I think they're going to win up until App State. I think App State's going to beat them by a lot. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Iowa State, Kansas. uh, Somehow Iowa State's still ranked in the top 25. But I guess my only question for this one is the line is 28 and a half. Do they cover or not? I mean, if they don't, I like (laughs) – I've, I've already kind of like thrown Brock pretty out of my, my view right here. I'm, I haven't completely like closed the door on him. Like he's outside of my door. He's on the doorstep right now and the doors in my hand. I'm ready to close it. If he sucks in this one, because Kansas great metaphor, is great, great visual for our listeners. there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that, that's what, that's what, that's what this whole game is. If Brock pretty does not play good. I'm shutting the door on him. I'm, I'm not looking at it again. Yeah. But it, yeah, I mean, they, he has to win by this, this many points because Kansas has been bad in, in every single facet. I mean, the two, like their defense should really shut him out because Jalen Daniels, their starting quarterback, a true freshman, started when he was 17 years old earlier this season. I think he actually turned 18 this week. He has not been good. He still has a long way to go. It's impressive you're starting that young at a yeah. Power 5 program with an asterisk, Power 5. But <laughs> yeah, he still, he still has some ways to go. Uh, okay, speaking of like, you're talking about Purdy, speaking of quarterbacks who we need to see improvement from, uh, Ian Book and Notre Dame, they go to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech. I am completely off the Georgia Tech bandwagon, at least for this season. They're going to win. Notre Dame's, I, I should say that because, you know, we've seen some good play out of Georgia Tech this year. Um, but the main thing is like, Ian Book to me, has to look good this week, has to actually play good this week because of who they have coming up uh, the week after, and that's Clemson. So, like, how do, I guess my question for you is, is that, like, how much better does Book have to look this week for you to even think about them uh, beating Clemson in two weeks? I need to see him, I mean, inside the pocket, delivering big-time throws on the field. He, he has not done that at all this year. And you know, show that he can make those like the right decisions because there's been so many times where he's just, I, I'm not really sure what he was thinking, what was going through his head when he throws a football, just because, I mean, there's been a few dropped pick this, picks this year. There's no doubt about it. He, we saw that last week against Pitt, and even though they, they blew him out, he had multiple turnover-worthy throws. And then really the offensive success was defined by everybody around him, not, you know, Ian Book himself. You know, he, he's a great athlete. You know, he's mobile. But we have to see him stay inside the pocket, deliver yeah. throws down the football field. And I, I'm worried about this Clemson defense when, when they face him here in a couple of weeks. He, he, like you said, he really kind of has to he has to show that he can do it in this game because it, it's just one of the easier defenses he's going to face. Yeah. Okay, the battle uh, for Big Ten supremacy. Indiana goes to uh, Piscataway, New Jersey, to play against Rutgers. Both teams want to know. Yeah, yeah. It's something else we talked about with uh, with David Pollock before, but it's like, you know, Indiana was beaten up against Penn State. And, you know, there was this one of those games where, hey, look, they got the win, no problem. They absolutely got the win. But 
the, the, you see the total yards difference is just crazy different. Are we going to see a 2-0 Rutgers team? I don't think so. I, I think Indiana's <laughs> going to blow them out. Yeah. And, I mean, like, I'm from Indiana. This isn't homerism here, but I, I think Michael Penix Jr. comes back and plays the way we saw him last year versus that first half. I mean, yeah, I mean like, was... that that final drive was the Michael Penix that, yeah. I, that I thought they would get. And I think that, that he kind of showed that. So I, I really do think, especially, I mean, the Rutgers pass rush looked pretty good last week, but I think that was more about Michigan State's offensive line yeah, just being kind of cheeks. So I, I think, you know, Michael Penix will have more clean pockets. And he delivered some strikes under pressure last week. So I, I, I think this is the week the Indiana offense gets cooking. But also the Rutgers, how about that? I wasn't wrong. I was so wrong on Minnesota. I sat here in bad mouths. Like, I don't know how Minnesota's not favored in this one. They made me look bad. Rutgers got me back on track. Noah Vidral, he's actually accurate. An accurate quarterback they haven't had in many moons. So I, I kind of do like this Rutgers team, but I don't think they're knocking off the Hoosiers. Okay, the uh, another undefeated Big 12 team, Oklahoma State, they host uh, Texas. Huge. This is like such a, a big game for Oklahoma State. Now, defense can play for sure, but, but can they get good quarterback play out of Spencer Sanders if he's going to be the starter? And, you know, we thought he came back. He was healthy last week. They put him in. You know, we've really liked what we've seen out of, out of Illingsworth. So if, 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 if Spencer plays, like, is that going to be enough? No, I, I mean, like, I know Spencer Sanders was hurt. And we were talking about this before, that you don't want to, you know, have a guy lose his job because yeah. he got hurt. But, I mean, in, in certain situations, you kind of have to. And I think with, you know, Illingworth playing as good as he was, you have to. Because, I mean, looking at his two starts, I know it came – one of them was against Kansas. So you kind of have to put, take that with a grain of salt. But – those would have been two of Spencer Sanders' three best games of his college career as yeah. far as passing grade goes. And even, even against Kansas last year, even against McNeese State last year, Spencer Sanders did not play at the level that Illingworth played. You know, he, they need guys that can throw down the football field, you know, hit those throws over 10 yards downfield. Spencer Sanders cannot do that. Illingworth showed he can do that. You know, he went 13 of 20, uh, 338 yards and three touchdowns and a 93.0 passing grade on those – uh, 10 plus yard throws and Sanders on the other hand has a pass rate of 69.8. So there's a pretty stark difference in those. I know that the sample sizes are a lot different, but you have to feed the hot hand and Illingworth is the hot hand. Spencer Sanders was okay last week, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand why they, they kept him in here. Okay. Let's go to uh, the Mountain West. First time we're talking about the Mountain West uh, this year. Uh, Boise State uh, goes to Colorado playing against Air Force. What do you see? Honestly, to tell you the truth, I don't know much about uh, either of these two teams. What do we like about either of them? Like, what's going to happen in this game? You know, I when I look at this game, the big my big takeaway is that, man, BYU has to be watching this one. And they really need Boise State yeah, to oh, just throttle them. Yeah. You know, and we talk about BYU all the time. But that's, that's, that's what this year is. It's the BYU show. And they really need Boise State to throttle them so then they can come back and throttle them and it makes them look better. I, I do like Jalen Walker, cornerback uh, for Boise State. He's pretty sticky. But I, I, I do think there's a real chance they could. I'm not sure. What, what is the spread we have here? 14. 14. I, I, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think Boise State wins by quite a bit. I, I, I like Khalil Shakir on offense. I like Jalen Walker on defense there for him. So, 
I'm going to be watching this one for BYU's sake. I think they might be keeping an eye on it too, even though if you'd ask them, they would say they weren't. Of course. Um, Mississippi State goes to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. Blowout, right? Yeah. What, what's going on with Mississippi? Dude, we have it's over. players it's, transferring, Tyrell uh, Shavers. I mean, what's going on here? Yeah, well, they, I, you have to. You'd have to think that Tyrell Shavers, before facing his old team, he would want to play, but he, he wanted to get out. I, that, I don't know what's going on there, but Mississippi State, it's honestly incredible that who would have thought that after beating LSU, yeah, we'd be here. You know, players are walking out of practice, stuff like that. It's been, it's been bad. But, yeah, Alabama, yeah, I don't think we're going to – I mean, I'm going to miss Jalen Waddle out there, but I don't think we're going to uh, see a big difference in the, yeah. the Alabama offense. Definitely not in this game. Okay, uh, the biggest game of the night, Ohio State goes to Penn State. Ohio State's favored by 12. This is a fascinating game. So Ohio State last year, obviously a wicked offense, but their worst game in terms of EPA per play was against Penn State's blitzing, you know, uh, a zone blitz type of team, line movement, all that stuff. Penn State obviously is probably not as good last year, though I don't know if Ohio State is even that good, as good as last year. So uh, how do you see this one playing out? You don't think Ohio State's as good as last year? I think that they I, – I, I'm not sure yet. I, I would actually – honestly, right now, I would probably take them above Clemson. I think Alabama's the number one team in the country, and I'd probably put Ohio State at number two. But the thing that. is, we don't we – don't, I, I just don't know about the defense. Is defense going to be a good – offensively, they'll be fine because Justin Fields is that good. I'm just not sure about the defense – keep losing pieces i know they recruit as well as anybody but they keep losing pieces and i feel like eventually you're gonna have a down year maybe <laughs> hopefully i'm wrong because yeah. i like watching I, this team yeah i i mean i i think they're maybe just as good even though they lost all those guys are I, I mean in person i mean that's just me i mean it's to really break out we haven't really seen enough for from him to really know how great he's going to be but i think he is going to be great i think that's just me assuming that um but yeah, I think Ohio State is going to win by a lot in this one. Mm -hmm. I, and really, the the biggest matchup that I'm just more interested, in, just because it's, I think it'll be a blowout, is Jason Owe versus uh, Nicholas Vite right. Frere. I think Jason Owe is going to have a monster game again. He had a monster game last week, which we talked about against Indiana down the stretch. He was incredible for him. I think he's going to have another one of those games. I think Shaka Tony is going to get shut down by uh, Munford over on the other side. But I think that's going to be kind of the uh, if you're a Penn State fan and the game's not going well, just keep an eye on Jason Owe, see what he's doing over there. But, because I think that's the way this this game's going to be rolling just because Justin Fields, he's just – I mean, he like I like I was talking about, he did only – he did have one bad throw last week that was negated by penalty, got lucky there. But he was, I mean, near flawless everywhere mm -hmm. else. So, I mean, it's kind of – I mean, Penn State's defense is obviously way different than Nebraska. But, I mean, Nebraska doesn't have no, a bad defense. It, it is a pretty good defense. So – I, I think it's going to be a uh, steamroll fest for Ohio State every single week. Uh, okay, Arkansas going to Texas A&M. You know what? This is to me. This is actually an interesting game. Like Arkansas has obviously played well to start the season. Texas A&M, like you know, everyone's talking about them saying like, oh, you know, you know, okay, they lost to Alabama, but if they they can kind of run the table and and make some noise late in the season, but you know. They they had a fluky fumble uh, fumble recovery at the end versus Florida to really win the game. They could be two and two also. So I'm not I'm not still not sold on Texas A&M even though they're ranked number eight right now. I'm glad you said that because I'm not either. And you know in our preview article where we pick the games, 
I already made, I was making the shell of the article. I still have to write it yet, but there was one game where I saw, and I went ahead and picked it. I usually wait until I write the write-up and I went ahead and picked this one and it was Arkansas over Texas A&M because I think, I think they're the better team. I think Felipe Franks is a better quarterback. I just fainted. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, who would have thought we'd have been saying that? I know. Uh, speaking of Felipe Franks and, and his also his old team uh, finally comes back to play. Florida will will host Missouri. Uh, Missouri is getting thirteen points on the road. What do we like here? Yeah, I mean, I think Florida is going to win by a lot. I mean, it's it's an, it's an ugly slate. I feel like I've been saying this team's going to win by a lot. That's probably going to be the common theme. I hope I'm wrong. That would be awesome if I'm wrong. But I think the Florida offense is too much to too much to handle. I think with Darius Tony, Kyle Pitts. I mean, those two are just the monsters out there. I mean, those are the engines of the Florida offense. That's what makes it go. And you have to give credit to Dan Mullen. I think he's one of the most underappreciated coaches in all of college football. Um, we saw that last year. I mean, the data even pointed that out. You know, we, we looked at their implied win total versus actual win total in 2019, and it, it was a lot higher. It was actually the biggest gap. And that kind of insinuates there was some luck involved, but that also means you, you have really good coaching and a good scheme that Dan Mullen to a T. So I, I, I think Florida's offense is going to be too much. It's one of the best ones in the country for Missouri to handle. But, I mean, there are some positive pieces there. I, I mean, I really like what Connor's doing at quarterback. He's been a lot better than I was expecting. And then Nick Bolton, too, on the defensive side of the ball. Okay, Navy goes to Dallas to play uh, still-ranked um, SMU. I, I think this is – I, you know, the line is 13. I think this is a blowout, though, for – well, you know what? The, the problem is the, 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 the possessions. There's not going to be a lot of possessions in the game. I think, it, I think SMU is definitely the better team. I don't think that's really even close. I'm not a big fan of what Navy, uh, who Navy is this year. Um, but but can, they, can they keep it close? Can they cover the 13 points? I don't think so. I, 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 I think uh, Shane Buchel and uh, Rashi Rice, I think they're going to put up, I, even though, like you said, not a whole lot of possessions, I still think they're probably going to score a lot of big play every single time they get the ball. Mm. Um, I just can't, every single time I think of Navy, I just go back to that, their opener against BYU and how bad they, I mean, they genuinely looked like a, a high school team out there at times. No disrespect at all. That, that was kind of me. I feel bad by saying that. Hopefully none of them are listening. But, Trust me, I don't think anybody they're is not. listening. <laughs> they're probably not. I, I'm probably getting away with that one pretty free. But, yeah, I, I think SMU wins by a lot. Okay. Um, North Carolina, a team we love to talk about, uh, going to one and four. Virginia, but the line is only seven. So, North Carolina on the road, uh, laying seven in, in Charlottesville. What do you think is going on here? I'm surprised they're not favored by more, personally. Yeah. I agree. Just because the way the way Virginia's been playing and North Carolina's been playing as of late, pretty stark difference there. Like um, North Carolina's think, like actually good. Yeah, I think I think everyone's kind of looking at that Florida State loss a little bit too much. And again, I they are the far better team. I, I still don't think any less of them than I did before the loss. I think less of the play calling, not the players mm-hmm. on the field. So again, I we've talked about this before. They Florida State didn't. They they won the game. Props to them. But North Carolina lost that one more than Florida State won that one. I mean, they're significantly the better team. I still think, I, I think they have one of the better offenses in college football. So I, I, I don't know. I th- I think I might. I'm gonna throw a lot of cheddar on that one. I don't oh, know about boy. you. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a betting expert. But that's kind of that's a juicy line that's popping. Yeah. Right I, I another juicy line. I think 
Oklahoma going to Lubbock to play Texas Tech, 14 points. Uh, Texas Tech is not good. <laughs> okay. Oklahoma is, is – they have two losses, but they're, like, probably still the best team in the Big 12. And I think they're going to score a lot. And, okay, so Texas Tech can, can maybe score two. It probably can score two. But I think still you're, you're thinking they're more of a it's, – it's going to be a bigger line than two touchdowns. Yeah, and I, I think if Alan Bowman was starting, I would agree with you. But Henry Columbia's been – he hasn't been great, but he's been better than Alan Bowman was when he was on the field. But I agree with that Oklahoma's the best team in the Big 12. Yeah. I think people are overvaluing – I mean, when you think of Spencer Rattler, two plays come to mind. The interception against Kansas State at the mm-hmm. end of the game. The interception against Iowa State at the end yep. of the game. That's what you think of. And I think people are not considering the, the full picture here because he's been nearly perfect on every on every other throw besides those two. He's been exceptional. He's, heck, he's still – I think he ranks seventh or better in both negatively graded throw rate and positively graded throw rate this season. So, I mean, that still speaks volumes. He's a top-five quarterback in PFF grade this year. So, I, I think Spencer Rattler – and. I kind of do have an issue with the how early he'll bounce some pockets. He will, he'll get out of their way early, but he's been incredible throwing on the run. I mean, he's made few bad, bad decisions when throwing on the run. One of the highest grades right now, he's on pace to break Baker Mayfield's record outside the pocket. Um, so uh, yeah, I think Oklahoma is the best team in the big 12. It's, it's going to be interesting just to see, you know, whether or not Texas Tech can keep this one close. Uh, he, he, is not seeing the the concept, seeing the field super well in the pocket, but he gets away with it. Uh, you know, at this point in his career, with insane arm talent, uh, be having a Lincoln Riley as the corner and and the stuff like you said, like just plays out of the pocket are boosting him uh, a little bit. Okay, last one: um, BYU at home to Western Kentucky. Or we're staying on the on the BYU hype chain. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, until I see Zach Wilson have a bad game, you have to at this point. Um, Twenty nine points is a lot, but yeah, that, that's what they that's what they need to. I mean, no, no, like that's exactly it. The they, table that they have to win by that much. Yeah, if they want to go to the playoff, they got to keep winning like this. And and I and I agree with you, like you said, like Boise State's got to win also uh, to make it, them look good when they go play them. Uh, in a couple of weeks. All right. That is your top 25 rundown and our very amateur uh, betting opinions on those games. Uh, we will, me and Anthony, will see you on uh, Monday morning for the recap episode. Okay. Another episode in the books uh, of the, of the podcast. Um, hope you guys liked it next week. Have a great interview with, um, just trying to make sure he's a he's a real football guy, football data guy. I'm just trying to make sure I have his name right. Uh, is it Bryce Rossler? Um, yeah, so he'll be on the podcast next week and uh, have a really good conversation with him. Until next time, thank you very much.